This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. I'm joined as usual by AJ Scholes, who's an excellent follow for hockey fans at AJ Scholes24. I'll spell that out. It's AJ S C H O L Z24. Well, AJ, it's the Valentine's Day edition of our show, and I got to say, I'm loving the chance to talk hockey every week with you and share our views on the NHL scene. It's starting to heat up in the rumor mill, and uh, I wonder if it's white noise to you, or do you dig in for more when you start to hear some names in the news? It sure provides a lot of topics uh, for general talk. What are your thoughts on the whole upcoming scene? Yeah, I admit, Paul, I tend to focus on the action on the ice. I let the rumors kind of fly by me. Uh, I'm a little like a a player in that sense. I I like to focus on what's on my team and what I have and go from there. But I will say uh, I do enjoy really diving into uh, whether it's season uh, this season's trades and and seeing how those pan out or even looking back a couple of years and seeing how a trade might have panned out in the past. So I I'm definitely big on analyzing the trade after it happens. But uh, as far as the buzz, I kind of let that just blow over and focus on the product on the ice. Yeah, well, I'm a dreamer, AJ, and so I love the fact that, <laughs> that uh, these rumors are out there and gives us fodder for, uh, to talk about on uh, such platforms that we as we have today. But uh, we're going to talk a lot of hockey in a minute, but our friends at Rotowire want to remind you all that baseball is just around the corner. Don't get stranded on first base without a Rotowire su- subscription, and don't miss out on this great offer, folks. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Go to FanDuel.com slash Rotowire to claim it. You must be a new FanDuel user in order to be eligible, though. Users may only establish one account on FanDuel as well. That's FanDuel.com slash Rotowire. All right, AJ, help us shift our focus back to the podcast. Yeah, just a reminder to our listeners there that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, Uh, You can tweet at us, and we'll try and answer your questions during the week or during one of our shows. Uh, As Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJScholes24, and you can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22. All right, then. So what we do, uh, we got a 30-team sweep that we do in this segment, and for today, we're going to continue that. The rumors are flying. More names are out in the news, and I'm going to try and speculate with you, AJ, on just where we think each of the clubs is at and what we might expect them to do now that the day is closing in in terms of the trade deadline. And, for instance, in Anaheim, we are hearing that scouts are coming around to check in on their defensive depth. That's really 
an unexpected strength of this team. When you look past Car- uh, Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff and Ryan and the rest of some of their offensive guys, Silverberg and Kessler, there's a whole bunch of names up front, but it's the defensive depth of this team that's attracting all the interest. They got uh, Lindholm, Fowler, and Theodore, among others, who uh, are being looked at. Yeah, I, I do think the one thing holding them back here is going to be the injuries to Clayton Stoner and Simone Dupre's. I do think that uh, will limit what they can do as far as getting rid of some of that depth. I honestly think they'd be foolish to get rid of Brandon Montour, although he'll probably be the one that could uh, garner the highest price. Uh, They do get uh, Sammy Vatanen back, so he might be able to uh, give them a little more depth that they'd be willing to part with some of those pieces. But it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, I think some additional uh, wing scoring wouldn't uh, certainly wouldn't hurt for a playoff push. And what about in Arizona, AJ? I'm hearing that Oliver ekman Larson, their signature defenseman, is uh, of late a tra- potential trade target. That'd be leading to a quite a prospect haul, I do believe. There's a very thin market on the seller side. It's because of uh, the, the standings are all bunched up, but there's a couple of teams on the outside, definitely, and Arizona is one of them. And I'm just thinking this might be a real good time for them to set up some sort of an auction with the field so large in terms of potential suitors for, for a quality guy like Oliver ekman Larson. On the other hand, we also know that Shane Doan has apparently given his blessing to a potential deal that will see his time in Arizona end. He wants to get a shot at the playoffs. He's just not going to get it there. Uh, will they Will they stop at the Doan move, or do you think they're going to try for the OEL home run play? I think they will, and and it will be a sad day. Don't get me wrong to see both Doan and ekman Larson gone. I mean, these aren't going to be the yotes of old that we're used to. Um, you know, Doan... He's got to want a shot at that uh, at that Stanley Cup. It's certainly not going to come in Arizona anytime soon. And as you mentioned, Ekman Larson would garner such a high price tag. They could probably get uh, a good, solid uh, goalie. They could get a ton of prospects. They could get draft picks. I mean, the, the sky is really the limit to, to getting rid of uh, Ekman Larson. Not that they'll want to. Um, but it might just be the right call for the right price. Yeah, I think you're you're making a great point there. It has it's not going to be something that they're they're going to just go ahead and do the auction. And say okay, we'll give it to the highest bidder. It's got to be something that really meets all checks a lot of other boxes for them. I think the Bruins are one team that's heading into the bye week, as we call it uh, in the schedule. There's a five or six day gap before they play their next game. They played a lot more games than most of the other teams in their division. But they hit into it on a high note of late. They finally got a home win against Montreal. It's been a long time since that happened. But right now, I think they're in a position that, that they almost have to be in win-now mode because of the fact that Chara's age is getting up there. Their top two centers are on the other side of 30. I wonder if we're going to see them make a one last desperate push to bolster their squad before the playoff uh, playoffs approach if they're in there and I also think they have to be in the hunt for a backup goalie given the circumstances around uh, Kudobin and uh, the young rookie that they've been trying back and forth they've been shuttling these guys back and forth up and down so uh, behind Tuka Rask he needs a bit of a break because he's wearing out yeah they've been changing their backup netminder almost every day it's uh, Zane McIntyre's the right. one that's down right now and Kudobin's up, but certainly I don't think Anton Kudobin it looks like he's going to be the long-term answer there, um, although Rask has plenty of miles left, so I don't think they're thinking quite uh, that direction yet. And I think you're right that they're in a win-now mode. I mean, some of their younger guys are starting to to pay off. David Pasternak, Frank Vitrano, uh, Jimmy Hayes, just to name a few. Uh, and so they're starting to get on a roll. And so, yeah, bolstering the squad just a little bit. I think Honestly, they're not going to be looking for huge pieces, maybe a little more scoring from the blue line, uh, maybe some added depth in the forward, but they're not out for a top six winger, in my opinion. I think just a little more depth, maybe some experienced guys that can help steady the rookies. And uh, sticking with the Atlantic for a moment, the Buffalo Sabres, the Sabres are only five points out of a playoff spot. I got to see them on Saturday night against the Leafs, and they looked really good early on. Uh, They've got a lot of money committed to their current roster, despite the fact that they're in kind of a rebuild mode. 
as they have a number of pending UFAs coming up and over $5,000 in current cap space, I think they can still take on a big ticket for the playoff drive if they choose to. And Terry Pagula, their owner, is a guy with very deep pockets. And you wonder if the Sabres think they have a half a chance to make a big splash. I mean, Montreal certainly come back to the pack in this division, and that means it's wide open. So that's two playoff rounds potentially that, that uh, any team can go through and possibly come out of on the other side. So Sabres want to think that they're in the mix for as long as they can here. Yeah, but they're definitely a bubble team. And so I don't rule out them selling some of their pieces, too, if, if they decide that uh, continuing the rebuild is the better option. Let me just throw one uh, idea out there with the cap space they have, maybe shuttling Evander Kane to a contender. He's going to garner them some some good prospects, maybe some draft picks, and they could probably hold on to some of that salary with the added cap space they have. So certainly, as you mentioned, Paul, they, they are in the hunt, so they could be buyers they could be sellers you know we'll see what shakes out here in the next week or so but uh, i like the idea of maybe moving kane for continuing that rebuild heading in a different jack eichel related direction but retaining some of that salary to make it easier for a trade partner yeah boy you throw the name of kane out and the way that he's playing right now that should generate a heck of a lot of interest i i really think buffalo is getting a lot of mileage out of him right now and and they'd be reluctant or, or to, to part ways with him but i could see why you're saying that because you want to sell high on a guy like who's been up and down he's had some off ice troubles he's got his game in order right now and he's never looked better so maybe selling high is the right way to go here for a team that is a bubble club and and certainly has some younger pieces around which they want to build for the future in calgary they're a similar situation to the sabers i think aj in terms of cap space and upcoming ufa contracts this team's only one point out of a playoff spot in in a very tightly balanced uh, packed pacific division another similarity is both teams have very aggressive front office personnel i know when you mentioned brian burke you think wheeler dealer las vegas type gambler they could move one of their d-men to shore up their offense and i think that's that's a move they really have to consider here yeah i, I agree with you right there paul it's it's not uh it's not a huge uh market i don't think that they have they're not going to garner kind of a tremendous price but maybe some draft picks down the road i mean they're probably on the edge of whether or not they need to start rebuilding they've got you know goudreau monahan bennett and to chuck but there's also some pretty older guys on this squad as well so maybe a retooling if not a rebuild if they if they do find themselves out of playoff contention but i think they are right there it's going to be what ownership decides they want to do build for the future or try and make a run at it now um, and it's hard to guess what direction this team might go yeah, and it's hard to predict what Carolina might be capable of doing for themselves in the upcoming trade market. They are they should be in seller mode, but and uh, because they're one of the few teams on the definitely on the outside looking in. But the fact is, they have precious little to offer in terms of trade with quality prospects or quality veterans that rather that uh, could be peddled. I'm thinking primarily in goal. Eddie Lack has struggled mightily and and really not helped his case in terms of building him up as a as a tradable asset that means they got to hang on to cam ward the pressure's on on them to retain uh, the aging veteran and and that he's had a pretty good year for them though on the plus side the collection of young talent that they're amassing is gaining experience they're playing without any pressure on them and it's deemed by several observers as one of the fastest group of skaters in in the entire league so there is some positive news in that as aspect but i just won't expect them to be busy because they don't have tradable assets in my opinion I agree, Paul. And the issue is that anybody that another team would want is almost under 25 where you're not going to want to get rid of them. I mean, Jeff Skinner, Sebastian Aho, uh, Timo, uh, Tivo Teravainen, even Justin Falk, all those guys are under 25. So why would you get rid of them when you could hold on to them and use that as your build forward? Uh, the one guy I will mention as a possible trade piece is going to be Jordan Stahl. Uh, it's, it's surprising for me to imagine him being an older player considering uh, he, I feel like just yesterday he was a 19-year-old playing for my Penguins. Uh, but you know, one other uh, yeah. storyline I do. Sorry, go I ahead. I do want no. One other storyline I do want to just mention, uh, kind of a feel-good storyline. Brian Bickle looks like he's possibly going to play uh, this weekend. He's uh, battling MS, and uh, it's a uh, you know difficult disease to to live with, much less play NHL level hockey with. And so I'm looking forward to seeing him back in the the lineup, and and hopefully uh, good things will come for for him uh, this weekend. 
And over in Chicago, this is a team at the other end of the spectrum. They're going to be a factor in the playoffs again. Surprise, surprise. They sent a loud message across the Western Conference in the middle of a, of a long road trip. They, won, they lost their first game on the trip, but they won the last five, including victories, impressive ones, against the Minnesota Wild and Edmonton Oilers on the road. I told you these guys would warm up to the task. You believe me, AJ. You know this the club's history. Uh, how impressive have they looked in winning five of those six games on that trip? They will be a factor at the trade deadline to bolster the squad for a long playoff run. Again, they'll try and squeeze in something of a depth player somewhere on the roster. They always find a way to do it, and uh, they'll be there when the serious shooting starts. Yeah, the the interesting part will be what they do and how they do it. I mean, we talked in the past couple of weeks about, frankly, how awful their AHL team has been. Uh, they're bottom dwellers in there because they have mortgaged the future so many times uh, to win now, and it's paid off for them. They've got the Stanley Cups to show for it, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what they can do uh, in, as far as bringing somebody in. I'm not sure what kind of uh, assets they have that they can trade away. But I agree, Paul, it's, you'd never want to doubt what that organization can do. They'll find a way to bolster it and, and expect them to really contend in the Western conference. Now I know with Colorado, you've been a proponent of seeing what they could get for one of their star players. I up till last week said, you know what, you got to build your core around uh, your team around that young core to, to the statement you made. There are a lot of guys, their stars are under 25 years of age, but what I'm hearing and continuing to see in terms of the rumor mill is that there are there are a lot of stories linking Landeskog and Duchesne to other clubs and potential trade talks. But at the very least, I'm happy that the McKinnon talk has died down a little bit. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. You know, we talked about with Carolina about how they have all this young talent and you don't want to get rid of them. And there really aren't as many trade rumors there. Whereas Colorado is in a similar situation, but the rumors are swirling. And I do think a lot of it has to do with how low and how bad the, the season has been for Colorado. Um, I still advocate for, for a big sell if they can get the value for it. I mean, don't give away these guys for, you know, one first round pick or something ridiculous like that. Certainly get a ton of talent to rebuild or, or a ton of prospects and, and draft picks to rebuild. But I think they need it. There's so many holes on this team. I mean, we could talk about lack of forward depth, defensive help. They could certainly use there. Uh, goaltending is turning into somewhat of a disaster with Varlamov injured. And so there's so many holes to plug. I think they have to find a way to do it. And selling those guys looks to be one of the key ways. And uh, until la last week, it looked like Col the Columbus Blue Jackets were, were going to be that juggernaut team that uh, that was kind of above all the noise but they've gone five four and one in their last 10 games and all of a sudden uh, one of the notes that has become very obvious is that without Bobrovsky in that they're in big trouble they traded away Curtis McElhinney after a bad start he's been great for the Leafs in four appearances by the way but their other backups uh, Corpusello included I forget the other guy's name AJ uh, uh, Anton Forsberg and there you go Anton Forsberg these guys have ba bounced back and forth a little bit without much success uh, that's a hole that they need to upgrade if they're expecting a long playoff run in a competitive uh, met metropolitan division. Uh, upgrades on defense also look li like now that's that's a need in this toughest playoff bracket as well. I think it's going to be a, a matter of who uh, arms themselves best down the stretch in this division. Yeah, you mentioned the stress on, on Bobrovsky and just looking at his, at his last eight outings, he's got just two wins five losses and one OT loss with a 3.21 goals against average. I mean, he's been downright dreadful, to be honest. He went on a stretch where he, he allowed four goals per game in four consecutive nights. It's really been uh, disappointing uh, to see, and, and I think he can you know see and feel that Vesna Trophy kind of slipping away from him right now. And I, I do think they need to try and get him some rest. He, he played so much during their long, long winning streak earlier in the year. And they should, I think, have some confidence in these youngsters. You know, um, they're not performing well per se, but Corpusalo's 3-1-0. His goals against average is, you know, pretty high. It's 3.57. Yeah. But with the offense they have, you would think they could throw Corpusalo out there, let him take a few, <laughs> do just enough to, you know, keep the offense in the game. So. I'm a little surprised that they're jugg you know, juggling these two backup goalies. Just let Corpusalo play, put him out there, 
and let your offense do their thing. You know, I, I think that's the better option, but they can't keep Ryan and Bob as hard as they have been. Well, I got to tip my hat to you. You said that in Dallas, the goaltending would be an albatross for them uh, early on. And, and you've proven to be very correct. They, they are 3-5-2 and two in their last 10 games, and that means they're going to be among the sellers at the trade deadline. And that certainly means that the veterans that I highlighted to give them a playoff push over the last couple of weeks, they'll be on the trading block, and that includes names like Sharp, Hudler, and Eves. I mean, Yuri Hudler's barely been playing of late, so he's going to want to get out of there, no doubt. I mean, this team, for all their goaltending struggles, Paul, they certainly have problems with injuries. I mean, they've got Spezza, Janmark, Hemsky, and Oduya are all on IR again. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to put it all on the net mining, but it certainly hasn't helped. And I, I do think that's maybe where they go is, is to look for a strong net minder, or even a young net minder that they think they can groom and, and get on, on track. But they, they got to do something at, at that back end. No question. And, you know, we'll touch on the passing of Mike Illich a little bit later in the show. But now that the, he has passed and they're last in the East, uh, they must surely have abandoned playoff hopes and, and can pursue a rebuild. I think it's the ne- necessary way to go. There's some big tickets on the wrong side of 30 here and injured players that make may make that a tough process, though. They're, they've got, they're on the books for a while, some of these guys, and uh, it's going to be tough to shed some of these big salaries on the aging players. Well, he's a little banged up, but I think Thomas Vanek is going to be their number one trade shit here. Um, he's been doing pretty well on the year, and I think with his contract being just a one-year deal, uh, they can trade him away, let him go to a contender. Somebody will be willing to buy him once he gets healthy. So I think he's their biggest asset. Now, they do have some youngsters that I think they can bring along, but they need more pieces. I mean, Anthony Manthan, Mantha, Dylan Larkin, just to name a few, but... Uh, I agree, Paul. It's it's time finally for the rebuild in Detroit. And Edmonton, this is the first year in the new rink. A current playoff spot is uh, beside their name, but it's anything but secure. And that means that this team may overpay at the deadline because you want to think that they, they want to take advantage of, of, of all the good that has happened so far this year. They're in a dogfight, and they need an infusion of veteran help, I think. It's no coincidence uh, that things have dried up offensively. The going is getting a little bit tougher, and their inexperience is starting to show. Agreed. And, and part of the problem, I think, is defensive uh, scoring as well. That's been a huge, huge gap in, in their offense. Um, and, you know, I think that puts so much more pressure on the forwards that, as you mentioned, Paul, is finally starting to materialize there. Uh, Cam Talbot continues to be a solid netminder. Uh, so I don't put a whole lot of the blame on, on him. I do think it's a lack of offense, and, and I agree, Paul. they got to shore up some things, and it's it's time for them. This city has wanted a, a deep playoff run for a while, and I think it's time to make a push for it. Yeah, I agree with you. Florida, this is a team to watch in the Atlantic, in my opinion. Now that they have Huberto and Barkov back, back that, that must feel like some trade acquisitions to this roster because they've been without these guys for so long. And they're 5-3-2 and two in their last 10 which is one of the better records in the Atlantic in that stretch. They have 18 goals scored in their last four games and have overcome some shaky goaltending uh, that will right itself eventually. They got, they got Luongo back there and Reimers backing them up. That's a pretty good one, too. And the other thing that they can point to is they got tons of cap space, which means they're well-positioned to be a buyer and take on some short-term salary to really make a push. This is a team that has come out, of, come out of the weeds in the last little while in the Atlantic, and I wouldn't be surprised if they make some big noise at the trade deadline. I agree, and, and let me just say this might be a landing spot for a guy like Thomas Vanek, who is looking for that run, or uh, we mentioned Shane Doe, Doan from Arizona. He could certainly find himself here as well, uh, I, and I think it's, it's a team that's certainly not afraid of age uh, or older guys in their lineup. They still have Yager on their top line. Uh, and as you mentioned, Paul, the the getting back Huberdeau and Barkov has been huge. I mean, Huberdeau's got five points in his three games back, and Barkov's got a point per game in those outings as well. So I think Toronto and Philadelphia certainly need to be looking over their shoulders. And in L.A., this veteran squad has a fair bit of cap space uh, at the trade deadline, and their well-decorated goalie, Jonathan Quick, is starting to get get ready to get back in the, in the breach as the, as the number one goalie, one of the best in the game. Uh, he, they're six and four in their last ten, and with and 
with eight points out of second place in the Pacific Division with two games in hand. There's some upward possibility here that they might even get a home ice, home ice uh, advantage in the first round. They're going to add at the deadline. You can you bet your boots on that one. And they may have made some room over the past week by releasing a guy like Devin Sadaguchi and shedding about $2 million in salary there too. I agree. There's You're never out of the playoffs in my mind when you got Jonathan Quick in, in goal. And so they're, they're certainly not going to start selling. I, I do think one of their... Uh, offerings to get some talent in might be Budai, maybe Jeff Zakoff, although he hasn't really played enough to garner a big enough price tag, I think. But he's certainly a capable backup, so I wouldn't be shocked to, to see them move Budai in order to shore up a little bit more forward depth, I think will be the primary uh, uh, target here for them uh, heading into the trade deadline. What about in Minnesota? I think it's pretty clear they're still the class of the Central Division, but those Hawks are closing fast. And that may be enough incentive for the Wild to avoid complacency down the stretch and fill in at least with a better backup goalie than Kemper, who is sporting a goals against that's well over three, and that's about a goal more than uh, the starting goalie over there in Dubna. Yeah, I don't think so, Paul. I, th- I think they're fine there. This is another team where, similar to Columbus, I, I think they're better off just relying on their offense to bail them out on the couple nights that they actually um, give you know, Kemper the start. And I, what I do see them getting is they've got some young, younger guys on, on the blue line there uh, in Gustav Olofsson and, and Christian Follin due to injuries that they're dealing with to, to Broden and to Dumba. So I think that might be somewhere they look to add some additional depth so they can maybe get some experienced guys in there rather than having to rely on basically guys that were playing in Iowa just a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, coming in and, and trying to do a job that uh, that they were looking to have some more veteran experience in. And Montreal, this is a team we can spend a couple of minutes talking about. They're in a bit, another free fall, kind of an annual thing with them the last few years. They're three, six and one uh, over the last 10 and uh, Carey Price can't even stop this. He's got caught up in the mess. I, I wonder, there's a lot of stories around there that uh, speculate that is Coach Tarion's job in jeopardy? I will join the masses in and around Montreal and say yes. Another strong indicator is the performance of some of their star players over this the season. Shea Weber's season t- totals, AJ. Through the first 23 games, he got 18 points and was a plus 18. But in his last 35 games, only... F- 14 points and a minus five. Carey Price has goals against over three since November the 30th. These are bad indicators when your best players are underperforming like this. Oh, absolutely. And I will throw out there, it's a proven strategy to fire Michel Therrien uh, in the midseason to win a Stanley <laughs> Cup. It's worked for other teams in the past. Uh, name but one. All <laughs> <laughs> Pittsburgh to name one. Uh, but all jokes aside there, I, I do think that seriously has to be a consideration for them. They've got just so much talent on this team, whether it's uh, their forwards, their blue line. Obviously, in goal, they've got one of the best. Uh, and so it, there's the only, you know, it may not even be Tarion's fault. Uh, it's just one of those things. Sometimes the guys need a wake-up call. And we've seen this with other teams. Uh, St. Louis has done better since they brought uh, Mike Yo up to the the full-time job so i think it might have to happen if nothing else just to give these guys you know that that wake-up call and over in nashville this is a team that's in a quandary as a trade deadline must be in a quandary as the trade deadline approaches they're in the mix for a playoff spot but other better rosters or wealthier clubs are right in there with them too they made a a clear to roster spot last week by waving mike ribero that took some salary off the books that they could spend in the big club and and certainly opened up that roster spot. So I do see them looking for a cheaper rental, likely a bottom six type to bolster the depth that they have there with somebody who's got a little bit more uh, mileage in the tank, let's say. I agree. It's not going to be a flashy player that they bring in. I mean, we saw him trade for Vernon Fiddler uh, a week or two ago to add a little more veteran uh, stability there. They've got so much young talent. That's why I don't think they necessarily want to to bring in some top end players they want to see what they have and and i do think long term this team's not necessarily thinking this year um but why waste the the shot at the playoffs when you can get there so yeah i agree 
uh, bottom six uh, forward, maybe a defenseman. They've got plenty of options there, so I don't necessarily see that. In fact, I would almost say maybe trading a defenseman for a bottom six guy might be the route that they go. And uh, I wonder what might be in the cards for the New Jersey Devils. Their path to the postseason may not be in play. So I look for them to add to the 11 picks that the club owns over the next uh, two drafts in the first three rounds. That's a lot of picks that they've got to really change the look of their team. Their decision will be clear after the next five games, which include four against teams right around them in the hunt. So the the trade diet deadline is coming around at a good time for them. They'll know whether they're buyers or sellers, and they'll position themselves accordingly. But with the number of picks that they have in the bank, the future does look a little bit brighter. Yeah, and two guys I'll highlight as uh, targets to be traded away. I actually think Keith Kincaid could be a, a solid uh, trade piece here. Corey Schneider is definitely their goaltender of the future, and so I think Kincaid will garner enough attention as maybe uh, we highlighted a couple of places that need a solid backup and Kincaid could find himself there. And then the other one is Ben Lovejoy for a team looking for some uh, veteran defensemen. They've got a ton of young talent in New Jersey. So I don't think Ben Lovejoy is really part of their long-term plans. He'll certainly want to go back to being on a winner. Uh, so those are two guys that I think could find new homes and, and maybe bring in that 12th or 13th draft pick for them. And uh, New York Islanders, who are coming to Toronto for a game tonight, an important game. Wow, what a difference with the new coach, Doug Waite, uh, and what he's done for this club. He's got them focused, taking advantage of their size and skill like we hadn't seen earlier on. And Thomas Grice in goal has really stabilized that aspect too. So things are really looking up for the Islanders, who are not out of the out of the hunt. They're certainly, if they win tonight, they'll get uh, a piece of that last wild card. And uh, the circus around the Toronto media will focus on John Tavares, who is the Toronto native as you well know and a year away from potential free agency and we've been through this before here locally with uh, Steven Stamkos this is going to be another round of stuff that just gets a little crazy here when uh, the prodigal son might be returning <laughs> yeah you mentioned Grice's uh, you know performance of late boy when they first announced that contract a few games after that three-year ten million dollars looked like a disaster I mean it looked like they were just confused as to why they were saddled with this guy for another three years. But suddenly at three years, you know, that's about three million a year. Suddenly it's not looking so bad. So uh, Thomas Grice is definitely uh, a solid netminder. I mean, he's going to be you'll see him at, at the Olympics in 2018, hopefully, if they work all that out with uh, with Germany. So he's definitely a, a solid netminder, in my opinion. I, I really like what he can do. He's he's not going to necessarily be your stud uh, goaltender, but he'll he'll do the job for you. Um, and I agree, the goaltender, the coaching change has really turned things around, and maybe they can actually get in it. I know we both have talked about this being a, a huge seller, um, but suddenly it doesn't look like uh, that that might be the route that they go. Yeah. And I got a question for you arising out of a situation with the Rangers. Jimmy Vesey has succumbed to that mythical rookie wall that a lot of uh, scribes have come to come to call it when uh, a, a top flight rookie just stopped scoring halfway through the season. He's got one goal in uh, in the 2017 so far, and that's his only point. And I wonder, you follow the U.S. college scene a lot closer than I do. Is this a real thing that you've seen from U.S. college grads versus, say, Canadian juniors who play a lot more games in, a, in, a, in their uh, annual campaigns that, that it becomes a factor for the U.S. college guys halfway through the season? I don't think it's just the games played. I, I think it's the scheduling. You look at U.S. Uh, college, they generally play Friday, Saturday every week, and then they get a whole week off where they can work on new things prepare for their upcoming opponent, you know, clear up any bumps or bruises that come along. I do think the fact that they only kind of schedule that Friday, Saturday, occasionally you'll see games other nights, but that, that more than anything, more than the additional games, I think is what holds them back because the NHL is a grind. You play every other night. You don't get as much practice time, especially when you have back-to-backs come up and the junior hockey system up in Canada is a lot closer to that then so i think it makes you a little more nhl ready uh in a lot of ways than than u.s college hockey and uh we'll go on back into canadian soil uh, for the next team the ottawa senators it may surprise our listeners but they currently have the best win percentage in the atlantic division and 
a real rallying point behind their general manager and their goalie. Uh, starting goalie, both of them with personal cancer issues. Of course, we know Craig Anderson's wife is dealing with it, and certainly GM Brian Murray is is very public about his dealings with with cancer. Those those are real rallying rallying points around this club. At the same time that they may buy maybe buyers at the deadline, it's alleged that they also have also have spoken to Dion Phaneuf. We touched on that in the past about being left unprotected in the Vegas draft. So there's a heck of a lot going on in Ottawa. Uh, in the background but I wonder if they do load up at the deadline under these circumstances since they have that uh, positive vibe going right now and I'm hearing that Jerome McGinley is one guy who's in their sights yeah I mean Craig Anderson is actually back with the team too he got a shutout in his first game back Incredible. which is unbelievable uh, you know they they eased him back into it they definitely he's been with the team for about two weeks so they've given him time to get his legs under him he's going to start again uh, tonight in, against Buffalo so having him back only adds to you know kind of that good vibe situation and, and I agree I think they can add some definite pieces the one caution I have with this team is, in, in a lot of ways, they're still stuck in between a rebuild or you know a win-now situation just because they have this core group of youngsters but then this core like old group. And I don't know that adding a Ginla, another old guy, no offense to him, but an older guy back into the fold really helps resolve that situation. But with how good Craig Anderson's been playing when he's there, it's hard to argue against uh, trying to pick up pieces for a deep run at the playoffs. Yeah, and, and we've talked about the fact that the Atlantic is not certainly not a minefield of the top clubs in the league. There's an opportunity to get at least two rounds into it, and if you come out of it, you get to the the, the conference final, you got a shot. So uh, that's, yeah, that's, absolutely. That's, the, that's the incentive, AJ. And uh, We'll move on to Philadelphia. This is one team that is both on the playoff bubble and has very little cap space available at the deadline, so you might expect them to be quiet, but there is a possibility they could be a seller first and then try to be a buyer. And that means it's likely that we'll see a Del Zotto or a Mark Streit trade before they try to add forward depth. That's an area where they'd like to bolster, I think, uh, if they can add and uh, contend for a playoff spot, too. Yeah, Del Zotto's back and healthy, but they're actually not going to use him tonight. And so I think that's indicative of, of the situation there that you know they've got some some other guys that have come along that i think they're starting to feel confident with you know radko gudas brandon manning ivan provorov and so i think delzato's surprisingly to me the odd man out there he, he's been with them for a while he's you know a player that i would not have expected them to ever really consider trading at this point in his career but the the depth at the blue line is solid for the flyers and so when you've got such a such a depth of talent and there's so many teams that need help on the blue line that it just might be too good of a, a situation for them to pass up. All right, Mr. Penguin guy, the walking <laughs> wounded around your club may provide a trade like spark for them. Uh, Evgeny Malkin, we've talked about he's he's probably going to be back soon. Uh, maybe even tonight. Shiri and Haglin are also getting closer to return at the moment. I don't see how they could take on a lot of cap money because they're a cap a max team right now but tell me what's your take and what do you expect them to do at the trade deadline perhaps well the only way they're going to be able to bring anybody is to to get rid of the flower and and that'll definitely be a sad day for me um, but he's got such a huge contract uh, i believe it's uh, right around five million a year and so getting rid of him uh, will give them some space to to make some moves now my only question with that is what they would honestly bring in They've got a good mix of, of kind of veteran guys on, on the bottom half in, in an Eric Fair. You know, they've got Matt Cullen there. And let's not forget that a lot of these younger guys, uh, you know, Jake Gunsell, Scott Wilson, Josh Archibald, these are Mike Sullivan's guys that he had with him down in the AHL just, you know, at this point last season, I think he was with them um, still. So they've got guys that he likes, that he knows. So I'm not sure that they're really looking for anything to be to be totally honest with you. I would like to see maybe an additional, you know, depth guy that they bring in, maybe some blue line scoring if they could get the right price for Flurry. Um, but I'm not sure they're gonna make those moves just because they they trust the guys that they have and, and they like the system that they've got. 
hey, they're still the defending champs until somebody takes them out too. So uh, <laughs> you got a good thing to look forward to there, I'm pretty sure. And the infusion of, that these veterans will bring when they come off the injured list certainly will help the squad uh, down the stretch. Over in San Jose, there's a heck of a story being written by Brett Burns. He's gunning to be the first Art Ross trophy winner since Bobby Orr way back in the 70s, AJ. And I think that's just amazing. And I'm pretty happy about it because I own him in the Rotowire THL League, too. Uh, the club is in first place for their part, the Sharks. They are rallying behind Burns and a pair of 37-year-olds and Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton, who are both scoring a lot of late and really fired up about probably their last kick at the can as leaders of this club. Uh, co expiring contracts and 37 years of age. Uh, this might be the last rallying point for this club. They've got less than a million dollars in cap space, and that tells me uh, only that uh, the only trade move that they can look forward to is possibly a backup goalie upgrade or the fourth line forward. Is it truly the last call for these golden oldies, in your opinion? Absolutely. They have to try and make another run at it now. And, and honestly, I wouldn't have been completely surprised if they had won last year to see those guys walk away uh, on top. And so if they can get back there this year, it might happen again. Uh, you know, the one thing I'll say is maybe they can work out some deal with a team that's got some room to maybe retain some salary in order to bring a guy in. Uh, and that's going to cost them a little when it comes to prospects or, or picks to do that. But it's definitely win now for this organization. And so in my in my opinion, it's, it's worth it if they can pay that to get a team to retain salary. And uh, what about St. Louis? They're a playoff team right now. Nobody's surprised about that. They have a, uh, one of the deeper forward compliments, in my opinion, pretty solid on defense. And in goal, there were some question marks that have arisen. But there's more noise around pending UFA Kevin Shattenkirk going away from this squad with uh, that and then the early success after the coaching change to Mike Yao this team's really made some interesting headlines I'm kind of curious to think you know it's gonna be a tough situation you're a playoff team and one of your star defensemen is a pending UFA who's not going to be somebody they can fit into the salary cap structure so it's a real push-pull kind of thing in St. Louis right now I'm never one to, to risk losing a guy for nothing, even when it's losing a Kevin Shattenkirk. I think you have to think beyond the one year you know that's facing you. Certainly, he will help you win the Stanley Cup if they can make it that far. He'll be a big piece to any sort of playoff run. And so I like him on this team, but to lose him after this year for absolutely nothing makes no sense to me. They've got enough other pieces there that they can kind of, you know, stem the stem the bleeding by losing him a little bit. So I, I think they have to move him. I think it's a tough situation. They're kind of stuck there, uh, but it's it's a move that they have to make, in my opinion. And in Tampa, they're going to likely move somebody out before they consider an ad. This is another team that's right near the salary cap, Max. The current news that Brian, is that Brian Boyle is being shopped. This guy's been a power play specialist for them. He's been a defensive checking forward for them. Real good face-off guy. That's a pretty good job description that a lot of teams will be looking at to, to move some, uh, if they can get their hands on this guy. It's a good ad for a number of other clubs, whether they be other playoff-bound teams or even a, a rebuilding club, because this is not the oldest guy on their roster by any means. They're also within striking distance of the playoffs, and they get Steven Stamkos back in a month, so they may add a piece, too. If, if they can shed the Boyle contract, make some room, they could maybe take on a piece that might help them into the playoffs. Well, I think you're going to see a similar situation when Steven Stamkos did, uh, comes back that we saw in the other team in the Sunshine State. It's almost going to be like an infusion at the trade deadline with getting him back in the lineup. And I do think you know uh, there are some pieces that they could trade away here, um, but that cap is going to be a huge hit. I, I look to goaltending to be what they get rid of. Maybe uh, they can get something for Vasilevsky, although, you know, Ben Bishop is the older netminder and has the, you know, free agency thing looming there, too. So there's some tough choices there uh, for their GM. But I, I think I will expect them to be active at the trade deadline to prepare this team for the return 
of their star Stamkos. Yeah, and with Bishop, if they could ever shed that contract in early on in the trade deadline talks, that really opens up possibilities to take on money elsewhere. So that could be a real key to watch for in the next couple of weeks if they go that route. In Toronto, this team's at the crossroads before. Uh, again, I've seen this act bef- too many times where it's a playoff-bound team and then the season takes a severe turn for the worse. Is that going to happen again? They, they are kind of at a 500 level over the last 10 games. And I hope that they don't mortgage the, mortgage the future with a deadline trade for the sake of an unexpected playoff run. At the, when the season started, I picked this team last in the division. I've been one of the happiest guys in, in hockey <laughs> to see, uh, as a hockey fan, to see them with this unexpected, unexpected run of success. But I really hope they don't uh, take on a big salary and really screw up what's been a pretty good rebuild so far. No, absolutely not. If, if anything, and this is more towards what they've been doing and not towards how they're performing this year, I think they should consider maybe being sellers or standing pat at the trade deadline. You know, there, there are some, some older guys that might garner a, a, a moderate price, a, a Roman Polak, maybe a JVR. Yeah. Um, some guys that they could get off to another team, continue with the rebuild. I mean, they've got so many rookies that are performing well on this team don't don't sell or don't uh deviate from your plan now it would be a huge disappointment to see and my my heart uh, would break for you paul to see them turn around on this one i thank you for that support in vancouver uh yannick hansen and alex burrows are two of the canucks expendable forwards they're getting a lot of buzz in terms of the hype around trade possibilities if and when the canucks finally abandon their playoff hopes which uh, currently show them outside the playoff party by four points. They're four and six in their last 10 games. So a decision to raise the white flag should be pretty near, and we should see those guys moving out, I would think. Absolutely, I would agree. You know, the one thing with Alex Burroughs is there's only going to be 28 other teams looking at him because after what happened in Buffalo, the Sabres certainly aren't going to bring him in after his little scrap with Robin Lerner. But uh, I, I, I think in all seriousness, he's definitely one that, that could uh, garner some attention. And I almost think they need to consider uh, maybe getting rid of or replacing uh, what they have in goal. I don't think Miller, he's you know up there in age. He's certainly not part of their long-term plans. And anytime they've given Markstrom a look, he just hasn't performed well. So uh, that's an area of need for this team, in my opinion. So it might be something that they target as part of their, uh, their rebuild. You want, might want to listen to some music when I talk about the Washington Capitals and distract <laughs> yourself. I mean, this is a team that lost a top six guy in Andre Burakovsky for four to six weeks, but they're still rolling along with an eight and two mark over the last 10. Their needs are very few, and I've heard that a right-handed shot on defense is perhaps on their wish list. Could we see another minor deal between the Caps and the Leafs? These guys have done a lot of business in the past, and this time it could be Roman Polak, who you mentioned, that's on the move and would fit that need, as well as being a tough guy on the blue line. They are a little short in, in the toughness department if, if you're really going to be nitpicky about it. And uh, the Leafs have moved this guy before the de- trade deadline with some success. He had a nice long playoff run in San Jose. Maybe he's hoping again that this could happen in Washington. Yeah, it'll definitely be minor for whatever they do here. Um, they, as you said, Paul, they're they're set and ready to go. And the question mark really comes down to, for me, how rested is is Holtby going to be going into the playoffs? Grubauer has been fantastic. I think they need to rely on him more heading into the the playoffs here. Uh, so there's really not many holes to to fill. And I think you keyed in on on probably the only one uh, that they have there. And in Winnipeg, there's two things that I want to note. I've seen the Paul Maurice timeline before. He was in Toronto. This guy is, makes a great first impression. He's very well presented. Great, great interview. And the players seem to like him early on. But soon after that, you see a steady decline in the team's fortunes. We've seen it time and again in his career. And we're seeing it again in the peg right now. Are his days numbered here as uh, so many other coaches we've seen recently? Uh, on the other hand, AJ, could there be a destin- they be a destination for a top flight but dependable uh, goalie like uh, Brian Bishop? Maybe there's a, a fit there because Winnipeg has three guys that they've tried, all with uh, middling success. Maybe it's time to turn the page and really commit and build this team from the net out. Absolutely. Well, Pavlosek is gone next season. Uh, I don't think there's any situation after they put him down in the minors for most of the year. I don't see him re-signing with them in, under any circumstances, no matter how much money they throw at him. I don't think we're going to see Paul Maurice gone this season. Um, they've had uh, some injuries that he can kind of point to 
they are starting to come together periodically. It's just not getting to the consistency level yet. And I think you could say, you know, the injuries have prevented guys from really gelling as well as we thought. Give me another year and I'll make this work. So I, I don't expect to see him gone after this season, but uh, it won't be long if, if they don't turn it around. I, I definitely think he's on the hot seat. Uh, but I don't expect them to leave quite yet. So that's our look at the 30 clubs around the league and what's happening with them of late. We'll try and keep on top of this with the news and notes in the next couple of weeks and really gearing toward the trade deadline and the playoff push. But we'll turn our attention now to building your daily FanDuel lineups for Tuesday's games using FanDuel prices for tonight's seven tilts that we have on tap. And we'll go through the schedule now with Colorado going to New Jersey where the Devils are a minus 190 favorite. And the over-under is five goals. That's a 7 o'clock start. And uh, one of the bigger mismatches on the night, perhaps the biggest one, is Vancouver Canucks visiting your Penguins, where the Pens are a 265, minus 265 favorite. Over-under set at 5.5. And, and the Islanders, I mentioned that important tilt in Toronto, where the Leafs are a minus 140 favorite. The over-under is 5.5. They had a wild 6-5 game about a week and a half ago, so I'm going to bet on the over in that one, I think. What about the rest <laughs> of the games, A.J.? Yeah, getting a little later, Boston head to Ottawa. The Senators are favored, minus 165 in that one with a five and a half over under. That's definitely got to be the Craig Anderson effect, in my opinion. Uh, Anaheim are at Minnesota. Uh, the Wild, minus 160 with a 5.5 over under. Dallas at Winnipeg. This is going to be our projected goal fest of the evening with a six over under in that one. The Jets are favored, minus 140. Uh, so might be some guys to target or, or stack in that outing. Uh, and then the last game of the night is Arizona coming off a of back-to-back traveling to Edmonton. Uh, no uh, line on that one quite yet, uh, it, largely due to the fact that Arizona is coming off that back-to-back. Um, but I would expect Edmonton to be favored in that matchup. I would agree with that assessment big time. Let's go through our lineup picks. Who do you have at center? You're going to surprise me by not, by not including Sid the Kid. Well, I'm not, and, and I want to save a little money you know, this time around, his price tag has been pretty hefty. So uh, I'm going to go with a different option, albeit one that's uh, equally not not that surprising. I have Denny Malkin in my lineup for 8400 a $400 savings. He is still on IR, hasn't been confirmed tonight, but he uh, practiced on their top power play unit yesterday. That's the same thing we saw happen with Latang right before he came back. So I expect him to be in the lineup tonight, and I'll save that 400 bucks compared to Sid the Kid there. And then I'm also going to spend up uh, on my other option, Mark Shifley for 7,500. Want to capitalize on that matchup uh, with Dallas, that that potential goal fest. And I don't think anybody on Winnipeg uh, will put up more production in that matchup than Shifley. Uh, your middle of your lineup, Paul. All right. I highlighted the fact that John Tavares is coming to town and facing that media circus, and he always plays well against Leafs, particularly in Toronto. So I'm paying up to the $8,000 level. I don't usually do this, but this is too good a matchup in terms of the the prodigal son returning, and he'll put on a show. He's, he's a big, rangy guy. The Leafs don't have any physicality in the middle of the ice that's going to stop him, I don't think. Uh, of course, it'll be interesting to see the matchup if he, if he goes against Nazem Kadri, who's been a real pest uh, and gets that assignment more often than not. And these guys, uh, they have a long history with one another that goes back to juniors. And then I'll also put in Jack Eichel, who's playing some of the best hockey, inspired hockey. He looked great against Leafs uh, on Saturday night and uh, has been playing very, very well of late for Buffalo and uh, fanning their uh, faint playoff hopes of late for $7,200. An important game for the Sabres in Ottawa. And I know that Eichel's going to be front and center there, no pun intended. Four wingers for me, AJ. Yeah, I'll go back to the Winnipeg matchup and Patrick Line for 7,100. Uh, I haven't used him in, in a couple of weeks. He, he had some downtime, but uh, the, the potential matchup here is just too good to pass up on. And then going cheaper for the, through the rest of my lineup, Gabriel Landeskog for 5,400. I, I, don't, uh, I don't dislike the matchup. Colorado facing a, a slightly weaker team for once in New Jersey. And I think Landis got playing to, to figure out where his new home is going to be. Uh, Milan Lucic is only 5,000. He's sliding back up to that top line. He's got a little bit of a, a goal drought going, but I expect big things out of him tonight. Back on that top line, plus going up against the Car- uh, Arizona Coyotes. So a good matchup as well. And then my really low value guy is going to be Andrew Kopp for Winnipeg. So maximizing that matchup plus a top six uh, winger. He's playing on the second line. 
Uh, so I like his spot and his matchup. And so to get him at just 3,600 allows me to pay up a lot more at my center position tonight. Uh, Paul, what did you do with wingers this evening? Well, I started by looking at Taylor Hall. I went top end down, and I wanted a guy who has an offensive pedigree against a bad club and, and uh, one of the better value plays, I think, on today's board. Taylor Hall's carrying that hot stick of late. He's had a couple of big nights in FanDuel play over the past week, and I, he has a great chance to continue that trend tonight. And a guy who I really like in Minnesota is Nino Niederreiter. He's starting to get really comfortable in a top-line role with Eric Stahl. And uh, they got a team that uh, that's a tough one to play against. But uh, Niederreiter has the size to give that uh, mobile defense some trouble in and around the net. So I think that's a good value play. The Wild also a tough out at home. They play a lot better there. Niederreiter is one of the reasons why. $5,700 well spent, I do believe. Then I went cheaper on the wings. And I picked uh, Chris Kunitz, who's playing on the left flank of of uh, Sidney Crosby for $5,000 against the Vancouver visiting Vancouver Canucks. This is too good a play to pass up for me when you got a first liner against uh, and a powerful team against uh, less and also ran, I'll say. And I'll round out the squad with Max Domi, who if if Arizona's pinning their hopes on anybody for the future, it's Max Domi's got to be a centerpiece there. And he's going to get tons of ice time there, night in, night out. And Edmonton doesn't offer the the toughest opposition when it comes to defensive play. And even the goaltending is a little bit shaky. So Domi has a chance to shine for 4,900 bucks. I'll grab that. On the blue line, you got a pair of guys for me that, you know what, I'll, i got to say this. I don't look at your squad until after I make my picks. When I made my picks, they were exactly the guys you picked, so I went another way. But I want, <laughs> I want you to tell me the two guys that you picked and why. Well, I'm sorry for stealing your thunder on this one, Paul. <laughs> um, I'm going to start off with Nikita Zaitsev, 4,500 for Toronto. He's been solid of late. He's got four points in his last four outings. Uh, and I don't think, it, as well as the Islanders have started to do later, they still are a team that could potentially give up goals. You know, Thomas Grice, I think, is a, a great option, but ultimately, uh, I, I think he is prone to giving up some goals. So I look for Zaitsev to capitalize on that. And then Andre Sakara uh, for Edmonton as they play Arizona, he's only 4,300. Both these guys are top-line options, so I like that for their discounted price. And what I also like about Sakara is he's capable of scoring, but even when he isn't, which is the case for his last four, he won't get you zeros because he's going to put shots on net and he's going to put his body on the line and block shots. He's got, uh, in his last four outings, he's up to eight blocks in those those games, so that's racking up points. He's also got uh, nine shots in those outings as well. So even if he's not scoring, he'll get you a few points uh, rather than a big fat goose egg. Uh, Paul, what did your blue lineup uh, blue line end up looking like after uh, you picked new guys? Yeah, my version 2.0 looks like this. I've got Morgan Riley in there for the Leafs. He's going to get the assignment of shadowing, being on the ice as much as... Uh, as uh, Tavares and his line mates but offensively is where I think it's at for Riley tonight because he's picked up his game in that regard he looks like he's shaken off the effects of a high ankle sprain sprain and he's playing some some of his best hockey offensive hockey of late and I think the Leafs really had some fun with the Islanders when they had the man advantage last week and Riley was central to that too so that's where I think this matchup could really pay off for $4,500 another good play is the power play quarterback in Buffalo that's Rasmus Ristolainen against an Ottawa club that really has has had a little bit of trouble against teams that can move the puck around and with some speed and certainly Buffalo does fit that bill and Ristolainen is kind of one of those underrated power most underrated power play quarterbacks in the league so pretty good value plays there combined $9,500 for two frontline defensemen who anchor their respective clubs power plays I feel pretty good about that and finally the anchors to both our teams the guys that will uh, hopefully bring us goaltending wins AJ who do you have in nets well, you highlighted this uh, when you went through the lineup. The Penguins are a minus 265 favorite tonight. And so for me, uh, paying up for Matt Murray is almost a no-brainer. It's 9200 so you're going to have to sacrifice in other players, uh, places, find some value options there. Um, but he's just too good to pass up tonight. Um, so that's where I'm going. Paul, I was going to be willing to take uh, some of the blame if your lineup lost tonight based on stealing your defenseman. But when I saw your goalie pick... 
You're on your own for this one. <laughs> well, I picked Kyrie Lettinen just because he's he's getting more of the games in Dallas. And, and I mean, the goals against has been a little wobbly, but I think this is a case where the opponent is a little wobblier, if I can, if I can use That's even a word. But, but, uh, <laughs> it is I'm, now. I'm, it is now. That's right. And uh, I'm going to bet on Kyrie Lettinen coming out on the right end of a score that could be a high one. But I'm looking for the winning goalie here. And I will note that his counterpart in this matchup is also at that price range so it's a coin flip one of them has to win one of them has to lose i'm going to bet on the visiting guy tonight so now with that we switch into our our final part of the show but before we do the stud and the rant we also have to do the the rant the rotowire optimizer tool aj i want you to fire up the optimizer and tell us and our listeners a bit about what the optimizer has in line for tonight's games on this seven game schedule all right. Well, for tonight, I ran the optimizer straight. No, uh, no filters, no projection systems, anything like that. Just straight optimizer to see what it would give us. And it's coming up with a combination of what we talked about, Paul. Uh, Mark Shifley for Winnipeg at 7,500. Uh, I chose him in my lineup. And then it's other centers, Jack Eichel, who you picked at 7,200. Uh, and the optimizer definitely likes Winnipeg in the matchup tonight. On the wings, it goes with both Blake Wheeler for 7,200 and Patrick Line for 7,100. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, with the optimizer spending that much, it had to pick a couple of guys that are uh, projected to get fourth line minutes. Those two options are going to be Josh Archibald for Pittsburgh at 3,200. He uh, <laughs> he did score the other night. Uh, that's definitely a matchup where there could be some goals. So it's definitely a stretch. It's a riskier play. Um, more probably more of a GPP play for him, and then the other one is is your guy, uh, Josh Levo for Toronto at thirty one hundred. So it's definitely saving some money on some riskier options, uh, and then in, on defense, not so risky. The optimizer goes back to Winnipeg with Dustin Bufflin at sixty one hundred. Hard to argue against him, and then Rasmus Ristolainen for Buffalo at at five thousand. Um, another uh, guy that you pick. So the optimizer likes what we're talking about, Paul, in some cases, but taking some definite riskier options. And then finally in goal, Thomas Grice for the Islanders at 8,500. Optimizer obviously saving a little bit of money there. Doesn't favor uh, Toronto quite as much as you do, Paul. All right. And uh, we remind our listeners to join us on Thursdays when we take a fuller look at lineup options in the NHL version of the daily fantasy sports pods that Rotowire puts out every day for all sports. We cover NBA DFS Monday, Wednesday, and Friday every week as well. But it's time now to, to take a somber look at the stud of the week, if I can use that term. I'm going to focus on Mike Illich, the late owner of the Detroit Red Wings. Look, AJ, it's well known that I'm a Leafs fan, and the Wings have been one of the biggest rivals of my club all my life. Yet, I can say without bias that this man was the best owner in the league over the past 30 years. I'll share a story about the way he treated an old-timer now, just to underline that fact. Benny Woit was a journeyman, well, he was a depth defenseman, I won't say a journeyman, a depth defenseman on the Red Wings in the 1950s. Not a guy who had the same profile as Gordie Howe, Red Kelly, and uh, some of the other, Ted Lindsay, and some of those other guys. But a couple of years ago, and I know this story because uh, Woit and his family live around me here in Richmond Hill, Ontario, they got a call at home, and they got a delivery uh, of a box, and... and uh, his wife, uh, who handles most of those affairs, she said, you know what, I don't know what to do with this box. I said, well, open it. You know, she says, it's probably fan mail or something that I got to return. It'll be a hassle. I said, just open it and see what it was. Well, to her amazement, I heard the gasps. She said, you won't believe this. But they, got, they sent a Stanley Cup ring with the years that this guy won the cup, three years that he won the cup in the 50s, along with a note from Mike and Marion Illich that said, it's without you... We, didn't have, we wouldn't have had anything to build on here in Detroit. And we don't want to forget the legacy that you and other players in your era left. And, and so it was a real key building block for our organization, one that predated Mike Illich's involvement, AJ. And yet here he was rewarding all the old, old-timers that didn't... They never used to get rings like this in the past. This thing is worth thousands of dollars. He shelled that out for everybody who's won a cup in Detroit. An amazing story. And, and one that just shows the, the generosity and the commitment that this guy had to winning and to the players under his, under his direction. So a really, really classy act and one that wasn't alone in terms of all the things that he did off the ice around this club. The Wings' 25 consecutive years in the playoffs is a fitting testament to his virtue as a caring owner, in my opinion. Yeah, with all the owners you hear about in the news of late, 
This is one that should be emulated. Uh, he's beloved by fans and players alike, and it's certainly a loss that will be felt throughout the NHL and MLB as well as the, as the Detroit uh, Tigers owner. And uh, for the rant of the week, AJ, you know what? I've tried to come up with hashtags for this and for that, uh, the slew foot <laughs> being one of them. But now I got another one called fix the standings or level the field. I have decided which way I'm going to go with this. I might ask you to help me after the show. But we're talking about the two points versus the three points. Sometimes games are worth two. Sometimes they're worth three if it goes to overtime. It's just not fair. It's just not balanced. It's just not right. Uh, this is a re- one that I come up with every year that I do these these uh, shows uh, and and uh, the only difference is that this year there's more and more growing support than ever before to see this change so we're going to regain the lead position on this discussion and are looking for your support support uh, listeners it goes like this three points for a regulation win two points for an ot or shootout win one point for an ot or shootout loss and of course zero for a regulation loss that way each game counts as the same for the same value that's a total of three points up for grabs every night in every game it's easy and it makes total sense hashtag come on nhl fix the standings yeah i love that breakdown paul i think it really incentivized winning way more than the current format I think you'll see less defensive hockey being played in the waning minutes of the third period, especially from teams that are in a wild heart, uh, wild card hunt. I mean, you could potentially see a team in a tie game uh, late in the season pull the goalie to try and get that three points uh, in in regulation. I mean, it's not out of the question, especially late in the season trying to make a playoff run. And I'll throw a quick example of what you're talking about, Paul. If you look at the standings right now for the Metropolitan Division, it looks like this. It's Washington, Pittsburgh, Columbus, and then the Rangers. Well, I took a look at how it would break down, and the Rangers actually have more regulation wins, 32, uh, than Columbus and Pittsburgh, but find themselves in fourth place. If you shuffled it around uh, based on what you uh, outlined there, your, the standings would actually be Capitals, Rangers, Penguins, Blue Jackets. Uh, and it has to do a lot with the regulation wins combined with the fact that the, the Penguins uh, and the Blue Jackets have a few more uh, not only uh, overtime wins, but also, also a few more overtime losses than the Rangers. Uh, and so it would completely shuffle around the standings of the Metropolitan right now and have significant impact on the on the playoffs as well. It'll also stretch out the spread out the standings too, and you'd have a clear idea by this point whether you're a buyer or a seller, and that's really going to be, remain our focus for the next couple of weeks, AJ. So thank you very much for that illustration. Well, that wraps up this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ. Remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. We ask you to look out for Podcast Hockey Pod every Tuesday so that you can get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contests. So long, everybody. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.